Thank you, Wes and Cindy. That was beautiful. So tonight at 7 o'clock, if you'd like to hear about European ministry in Scottish land, that'll be great. Julia is here for those of you with children who'd like to meet her for the Bible bags. The rest of us, let's take our scriptures and turn over to Luke chapter 24. We are, of course, in the seven Sundays of celebration of the Easter resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is the longest celebration within that portion of the Christian year that is not called ordinary or Pentecost time. And this celebration, of course, we prepared for East, for Christmas with four Sundays of Advent preparing for the event. Easter is the opposite. We have this wonderful Holy Week with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then it takes seven weeks uh, to celebrate it. And we are in the midst of that celebration. And we're actually going to go to an event that happened that first Easter Sunday. Perhaps in the afternoon, we think. We're not quite sure, but probably in the afternoon. Because in the evening, Jesus appears once more with the disciples. If you were to go with me back to Oklahoma City, where I grew up, in the church that my parents, when they ended uh, their pastoral ministry, were the, the shepherds of, as you walked in the, the vestibule, you would have a, an adaptation of Robert Zunn's The Journey to Emmaus. This painting is this wonderful reflection of God's love as the trees shape this beautiful heart upon these journeyers together. And Jesus has joined these two as they are on their journey. And the difference, though, if you walked into the, the vestibule of the church is this painting takes the whole wall and a big mural and they've adapted in that Jesus is facing back towards the door such that when you walk into the church, Jesus is inviting you to go on the journey with them, this journey of faith and this journey of life. Now, I know that in recent scholarships, it's suggested that most likely these two travelers traveling along together were a husband and a wife. And that Jesus joined them in this family event as they are traveling and, and thinking and they have a meal together and they break bread together. And, and if you understand it in that way, it actually makes more sense to the, the intimacy of the conversations that they were having and the ways that they were having it. For the wonder of who Jesus Christ is is something that's so profound that it changes every family. We know, for example, in uh, the scriptures that Luke, in the text that we're about to read, describes the man as Cleopas. He's also spelled Clopas. And in John's gospel, we are told that Cleopas's wife was named Mary and that she was, in fact, one of the three Marys that stood at the foot of the cross and watched the excruciating crucifixion of our Lord. And so perhaps it is this same Cleopas and Mary, that journey with Jesus on that day. But the point of the story isn't about necessarily who they were, but about the journey and about any time you and I are journeying with our spouse or with our family or with our friends or with our co-workers as we're journeying this uh, path of faith, this path of religious inquiry, this path of getting to know the truth about the meaning of life, who we are, what life is about, who God is. And so the point of the story is that at this moment when Jesus is walking along and he's teaching them all about the scriptures from Moses, we're told, 
all the way through the prophets. And he's showing them how this one needed to have died and, and to have been here. It's in that moment when he breaks bread with them that we have this wonderful experience of the knowledge of God, the gnosis of God, the ability to see God in his true and eternal form. So I want you to go with me now to this Sunday afternoon of Easter, this first day, the day of the resurrection, our Lord's day. And Jesus just happens to be on the road now when Cleopas and Mary or his companion are walking along. And they are distraught. Mary has seen the crucifixion, excruciating. That's where we get the word excruciating. It's from the cross and from that kind of of death. They had thought for sure that the Messiah would be the redeemer and get them free from the Romans. They had no idea that a Messiah would be dead. How could that possibly be the Messiah? They were overwhelmed with grief. They're their dreams had been smashed. They didn't understand what was going to happen. And so they're downcast when Jesus comes. And, and he says to them, oh, I've tried so hard to help you understand this. But let me start and let me teach you. And so he goes all the way through scripture. I would have loved to have been a part of that Bible study to see how Jesus interpreted the Old Testament and how everything, when he starts with Moses, does he start with that Genesis account we think where the, the descendant of the serpent will bruise the heel? And what does that mean and how does it interact? And all the things that, that we see through the Psalms and through the prophet Isaiah and through the suffering servant and, and all the things that, that the scriptures prepare us for yet we didn't see because we did not have the eyes to understand. We had our preconceived notions. We, we put the Messiah in those boxes and, and we kept him locked away from who he is and, and what he came to do and what it is that they want to do. But the tomb was empty that morning. Now they don't know what to do. What do you mean the tomb is empty? Some of the disciples went and saw the tomb was empty. but They didn't see Jesus. So what does that mean? And, and how do they deal with this event? And that's where we are. It's Easter afternoon. These two disciples who had followed Jesus are distraught and overwhelmed. And it's in that place of their spiritual journey, just as it is for you and for me, that Jesus comes. And he's there and he talks to them. So we want to pick up the narrative at that point. Luke chapter 24 we're going to start with the 13th verse and go through the 35th uh, verse. Now that same day, the day of the resurrection, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with, the, with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. 
The chief priests and our rulers handed them over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found, out, found it just as the women had said. But they did not see Jesus. Jesus said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together, and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had appeared on the way, and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Now keep that open before you. I encourage you to, to read through it as we study together. Father, you've invited us from the beginning of the Passover through this morning to commune with you, to break bread with you, to understand the brokenness, to understand the redemption. Each one of us open our hearts and minds to you right now. Commune with us. You can only imagine what that moment must have been like to be sitting there and not have recognized that this one that had so much knowledge that your heart was burning within you and recognition that this was a teacher like they had never known. And then suddenly to see who he is, to have your eyes opened, to be able to communicate in a way that is deeper than the words, deeper than the eyes could have seen, where you in fact commune with God. It is interesting, of course, that in this moment, as they are eating the meal together, that there was a very familiar moment to them as people of the Jewish uh, tradition. They had celebrated this moment of the breaking of the bread and giving thanks every Sabbath of their lives. And in that moment when he did so, 
it was such a familiar thing and yet such a profoundly transformative moment that everything about that changed and everything about the one they were with changed. And suddenly their eyes were open for they were entering into a place that is deeper than words and thoughts. I was thinking this morning of an incident that occurred with my own grandfather, my father's father. In his last years of his life, he had uh, lost his hearing quite uh, a few years before, and his mind had lost its short-term memory. He was unable to experience the now. He was just remembering the experiences of early life, and he would talk about those. But one of the things that my father did is that when we would go see him, my dad said, you know, my grandfather loved to, to have a shave. He loved to go to the barber, and it was one of the, the rituals of his life, a moment of pleasure. And so I can remember very distinctly uh, one day when we, the two of us, went, and my father took the old-fashioned brush and the soap and made a warm mixture and just lathered my grandfather's face. Then he took the straight edge, and he began to shave him slowly, very deliberately. And it was a sacred moment. I know that my father was entering into a place that was deeper than words because my grandfather could not use words. He could not be in the now except at such a deep level of seeing that he knows he's loved, that he's cared for, and that his son has come to be with him. The sacrament itself is that moment when we're able to enter into the Son's presence in a way that is so different from normal life. It's not intended to be an intellectual experience, although we do the words and we allow our, our minds to confess and we experience in some measure the, the theology of our entire faith as we walk into the sacrament. But it's designed, in fact, to open our eyes to see Jesus to commune with him in a way that allows him to nourish us and to be with us, to allow the great hope that we have that the, the end has come is the end not of the Roman rulers. That would not solve the, the difficulties that the people on earth are experiencing. It's not that we're coming together to form a more perfect union that we will somehow have all the problems of humanity passed away, but it's rather that in that relationship with Jesus Christ, he hasn't defeated the Romans or he hasn't defeated Germany's Hitler or North Korea's uh, ruler. He has, in fact, defeated death itself, that great ending of all of life, and that we have nothing to fear, for death itself has no sting. We sing that in the songs of worship because it is a reality in which we live and it's a place in which we abide. And it's the way that we experience the fullness of God for he heals and he cares and he gives us sight. You do not have to be a member of this church or any church to experience this wonderful presence of God. If you want to have your eyes opened, then come forward and commune. Allow the words, the ritual, the breaking of the bread to be, in fact, 
that wonderful deeper place in which we each one commune with God. One of the things that I've loved about the art in the road to Emmaus is that in each of the nations of the world and the artists of the world, they've pictured Jesus walking the path with them in their clothes, in their day, whether it's in the, the Middle East, the Middle Ages of Europe, or whether it's in China in current time, using the art of that land, or whether it's in an American setting in which we are aware that, that Jesus meets us where we are and how we live on the journey that each of us uh, are on. So today, as you receive the invitation, I encourage you to see Jesus.